You're listening to the Crossing DE podcast from The Crossing in Milton, Delaware, a community dedicated to developing devoted followers of Jesus. Uh, thank you uh, for all your prayers because last weekend I was chosen to experience the COVID. As was Adam and Austin and Cole and Angela and several other church people that I knew about. So, um, you know, thank you for your prayers and hope a speedy and quick recovery for everyone else uh, in, you know, who may have it. So crazy, crazy week. And uh, how about it for Chris Vicchio last Sunday preaching, right? Chris, thank you, like in 24 hours, you know, accepting the call to preach and, uh, and doing such a great job. So, so thankful. I, um, I'm so grateful for Chris and Emily and their family and uh, what the Lord has done in them and through them as our missionaries to Tanzania. And so, so thankful for what's going, going on there. I'm really excited about what the Lord's going to do in this next season of their ministry as they'll be transitioning more on an international level, uh, you know, stationed in the Vicchio's homeland of Italy, right? I'm excited about that and excited for your family and just, uh, just so grateful. Uh, we really are a living link for Chris and Emily, and I kind of see them as staff members of our church family just abroad. And uh, so we're just so grateful for them. Can I remind you that next Sunday, next weekend, is Easter weekend. We'll be hosting five Easter services, two on Saturday night, four and six uh, p.m., and then our regular three on Sunday morning. Uh, We would like to encourage some of you to think about rearranging your schedule that you might come on Saturday night just to uh, leave a lot more room on Sunday for all of our guests, and we would really appreciate that. I was talking to a young couple yesterday that indicated, they're new around here, and they indicated that uh, this past week they, they extended an invitation to all their extended family members, hey, come to Easter service with us, and they really anticipated really negative reactions or just a flat-out no, but their family was like, yeah, we think that's a great idea. We think we'll be there with you, and they were like, it's just that easy, right? Invite as many as possible. Everybody wants to come to church on Easter, so invite as many as possible. Uh, hopefully, they'll come with you, and we'll have a great weekend next week celebrating the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. When I was a little kiddo, um, my mama taught me this. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. And I know some of your mothers taught you this too. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior walked that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down because I'm coming to your house today. Because I'm coming to your house today. Cool little ditty based on a true story from Luke chapter 19. Check this out. Luke chapter 19, verse 1 starts out this way. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a a chief tax collector and was really wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. So because he was short... (laughs) He could not see over the crowd. 
So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come into this house, for this man too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Lord Jesus, bless the preaching of your word in this place. Amen? Friends, I would like for us to dive into this story. And I would like for us to do so by dividing this story into six scenes. Six different scenes. And by doing so, I think we'll be better prepared uh, to making some application for ourselves personally. Scene number one, short man syndrome. You've heard of it, right? Short man syndrome? Uh, the, the Napoleon complex? Short man syndrome. An aggressive behavior to compensate for the feelings of inadequacy due to height. Short man syndrome. That's me on the basketball court. Short man syndrome. In college, uh, my basketball coach in college, he loved playing. His favorite defense was a 1-3-1 defense. A 1-3-1 defense. Defense, And it was his favorite because it usually surprised some teams because they were used to a 2-1-2 or something, 3-2, but a 1-3-1. And a 1-3-1 was the guard, the quick guard was out up front and, you know, being, you know, real quick to attack. And then the three big guys were in the middle, so you can't get over the big guys. And then there was the one. Now, my coach loved it when I was the one in the back. With all the big guys. So he wanted me to be the bad guy on the 131. I was kind of like the gnat, you know, annoying all those big guys back there. And I think he wanted me to be back there basically because, um, well, I wasn't afraid to foul. I mean, I wasn't afraid to put my body up those big sweaty dudes, and, and I wasn't afraid to foul. I mean, they give you five of them. I'm like, I'm getting my money's worth. And I wasn't afraid, well, to implement a few dirty tricks and now and then, and the coach knew that. Um, yeah, I wasn't afraid to foul, right, Austin? You know, just not, a, not afraid to do that. And uh, so he wanted me in the back. Now, one occasion, I overheard the opposing coach say to his big guy, the center, I heard him say, hey, don't you underestimate number 12, he has short man syndrome. I mean, over 
aggressive, competitive spirit, really to, to, you know, hang out with the big boys. I mean, what else am I supposed to do coming in a 5'7"? little aggressive. Short man syndrome, right? Zacchaeus had short man syndrome. I'm convinced of it. Now, archaeologists have proven that back in the day, in, during, uh, this, you know, at, in this area, during Jesus' day, the average male, his, the average male height was uh, anywhere from 5'1 to 5'5. Five, 5'1 five. Five, to 5'5. Five, five. Well, that tells me that Zacchaeus was less than five foot. Picture Danny DeVito in a tunic. And I want you to remember the behavior of Danny DeVito's character in the movie Deck the Halls. Remember that? That's Zacchaeus. Short man syndrome. What are the indicators that he had short man syndrome? Well, I, I think it's this. First of all, he wasn't just a regular tax collector. He was the chief tax collector, which meant he owned the franchise. And the Bible doesn't just say he was wealthy. I mean, it says he was wealthy. And even Dr. Luke pointed out and called him. He, he was a shorty. I think he had short man syndrome. Scene number two. Sold his soul to the devil. Sold his soul to the devil. Now, that's what people assumed about him. That's what people said about him. Because he was a tax collector. The Jewish people hated tax collectors. He was a tax collector. Now, a tax collector back then uh, typically was a Jewish man working for Rome. And so the Romans put out there, you could bid for this job, place a bid. And if they accepted your bid, you'd say, hey, name me the position. I'll do it for X amount of dollars. And if you were chosen, you owed them that amount of money. But here's the perk of being a tax collector. Anything you received over and above that amount, you got the pocket. And the text says he was really wealthy. And so he was also really hated and despised. Because in short, he was a tax collector, which meant he was in bed with the enemy getting rich off his own people. He was a tax collector, collecting taxes, collecting taxes from Rome, the enemy. So he was collecting taxes from the enemy, from his own brothers. He was despised. And, and basically, people thought and considered that he had sold his soul to the devil. Because he's basically motivated by pure greed. He had, he had sold his soul to the devil. Now... Selling your soul to the devil is not anything anybody really wants to do. And usually, at some point in life, you wake up and realize you already did. That's Zacchaeus. Scene three. He sought to see Jesus. He sought to see Jesus. Why would he want to see Jesus? Obviously, he had heard about him. And I bet, I, had, I bet he had watched what he had, Jesus had done with Matthew. Fellow, colleague, tax collector, right? And I wonder if Zacchaeus was thinking, I, I wonder if he'll see me. I, I, I wonder if he'll notice me. I, I wonder if he'll want me. I wonder if he'll extend the same invitation uh, to me. 
And the text says, I think it's interesting, that he ran ahead. Um, History tells us that running for an adult Jewish man was a no-no. And the text says he actually climbed a tree, which would have been very unprofessional. Aggressive behavior to compensate. He wanted to see Jesus. And I love what he found, don't you? A welcoming, approachable Savior. In fact, the next scene, scene four, he spent the day with Jesus. He spent the day with Jesus. Jesus gets to that place. He looks up in the tree. Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I I must stay at your house. Uh, He invited himself over. I love that. And Zacchaeus came down and welcomed him gladly. And he spent the day. Now, the Bible doesn't give us any details, but can you imagine the conversation that took place that day? I wonder what questions Zacchaeus asked Jesus. And I wonder what questions Jesus asked Zacchaeus. I mean, what would you have asked Jesus? And you probably already know what he would ask you. He spent the day with Jesus. It must have been a great time of connection and conversation because look at the result of spending the day with Jesus. Uh, Scene number five, he surrendered his life to Jesus. He surrendered his life to Jesus based on what? I think, first of all, based upon the fact that he was, Zacchaeus was convinced Jesus loved him. He was convinced that Jesus loved him. He welcomed him. He received him. He included him. He wanted to be with him. And it was all based upon Jesus' love for him. And there's some indicators in here that he was convicted of his own sin. If I've cheated anybody, I'll, I'll repay. And there's, a, and there's the sense that, he did, that in that day, he consecrated his own life to loving the Lord and blessing other people. You see, he surrendered his life to Jesus. And then scene six, salvation proclaimed by Jesus. Jesus said, Salvation, today, salvation has come into this house. For this man too is a son of Abraham. And then he says, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. On that day, on that day, Zacchaeus received salvation and forgiveness and acceptance and welcome and inclusion and adoption. That was a good day. And it changed his life. So friends, what's in here for us? Can I get you to use this story to check your own salvation? The mission of Christ, he came to seek and save the lost. And so would you use the story of Zacchaeus to right now, you know, check, recheck your own salvation? Now, first of all, I'd like for you to consider salvation's availability. And what we learn from this story is that salvation from Jesus is available to anyone and everyone. No one is ever too far gone. I mean, 
Jesus even went after tax collecting Zacchaeus. That tells me no one is ever too far gone. It's available to anyone. Now, at first glance, this story seems to be about Zacchaeus seeking Jesus. But the conclusion of the story reveals that it's not about that. It was really about Jesus seeking Zacchaeus. At first glance, it seems like it's all about Zacchaeus' quest to finding Jesus. But no, 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 no. The conclusion of the story, this was a quest of Jesus saving Zacchaeus. No one is ever too far gone. And even when Jesus was going through Jericho, he was on mission. He is always on mission to seek and to save the lost. In fact, 1 John 4.19 reminds us that we love him because he first loved us. So my question is, have you experienced the welcome, saving offer of Jesus? Because no one has ever too far gone. He's still seeking you. Secondly, would you consider salvation's application? Here's the question I really want you to um, wrap your mind around today is, how did Zacchaeus know he was saved? How did Zacchaeus know that he was saved? Well, I tell you what, it wasn't because he felt good about helping the poor and offering restitution. No. He knew he was saved because Jesus said he was saved. Salvation happens when Jesus says it happens. All right? Now, some of you are going to need to noodle on this Uh, Next statement for some time. Um, Here's the statement. Salvation first happens in the mind of God, not not in the mind of man. Salvation happens in the mind of God, not in the heart of man. And salvation happens when Jesus says it happens. So when does he say it happens? When his, his word on it? When do we have his word on salvation? When do we have him saying, you are saved? That's a great question. And I love it when true Jesus seekers ask that question. And I love helping them discover the answer to that question. And I usually always run quickly to Acts chapter 2. Because in Acts chapter 2, there were people asking that pretty much the same question. You remember? In Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches the first gospel message, uh, you know, after the resurrection. And he's preaching. He comes down to this conclusion that this Jesus is Lord and Messiah and King of all, right? The audience interrupted him out of faith and belief. They were tracking and they were like, what shall we do? We believe it's true. What shall we do? And that's when Peter replied, repent, turn your life to him, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of all your sin and the gift of his spirit in your life. 
And so the Apostle Peter was the first one to verbalize the word of the Lord on the subject. Salvation happens when Jesus says it happens. It happens in the mind of God, not in the heart of man. I think we need a noodle on that. And I need, my encouragement, make sure you have his word on it. Thirdly this morning, and finally, would you consider salvation's proof? How do you know it took? How do you know it's real? How do you know you're saved? Well, there's two indicators in our text, and I love these. The first indicator is simply this. You are ready to head into the future having named Jesus the Lord and leader of your life. Zacchaeus is the one who said, Look, Lord, I will. Look, Master, here and now, I will. And he was ready to head into the future with Jesus named Lord and leader of his life. But there's a second indicator here, and it's maybe more tangent. Maybe it's the greater proof. You are, re- you are quick to loosen the grip on money and materialism in your life. It's kind of proof that you get it. It's proof that salvation has come because you are quick to loosen the grip of money and materialism in your life because you're no longer living for that anymore. You're motivated for him. The proof. I want to close today with a story um, three weeks ago. I had the privilege of visiting a man who was uh, dying of lung cancer. And um, I'm so thankful to Cindy White, uh, who set me up with this visit. And Cindy, I know you're watching, uh, probably alongside your husband, Gary, who just this past week had part of his lung taken out uh, for cancer. And Gary's doing very well, and he can't wait to be out back on his kayak here in a couple weeks. Um, but Cindy White set me up with this visit, and so I got to go visit, and I'm, I walk into the living room, and I meet this guy who's dying of lung cancer, and I tell you what, Dan and I connected immediately. Retired from the Navy, big old strapping guy, not given much time to live. I spent about 45 minutes with him, and Eventually, in the conversation, you know, I did, the, I did my job and, you know, I kind of acknowledged the reality of the situation. I said, Dan, I know what it means when hospice is called in. How do you feel about that? He said, Mark, I have a question for you. He said, Mark, how do I know that when I'm done here, I will be with Jesus there? That's a pretty good question. Preacher, how do I know that when I'm done here, I'll be with Jesus there? And I remember thinking to myself, Mark, don't mess this up. I said, well, let me read to you from the word of God. And I turned to Acts chapter 2. And I said, now to set up the context for what I'm about to read you, uh, Peter just got done explaining the gospel, death, burial, and resurrection, the story of Jesus. You know the story of Jesus, right? Yeah, we had some good conversation. 
I said, now listen, he, he concluded his sermon with Jesus as Lord and Savior of all. And the audience interrupted him. And then I read verse 38. And I said, the apostle told them to repent and be baptized, every one of them in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of their sin and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And as soon as I read verse 38, his daughter, Audrey, interrupted, kind of blurted in and said, Dad, have you ever been baptized into Jesus? And with a smile, he said, oh, yes, I have. And I tell you what, when he said, oh, yes, I have, hope filled the living room. I mean, I felt it in me. I, I saw it on his face. And I saw it on his daughter, Audrey. And he concluded, so I have his word on it. You have his word on it. <laughs> it's really the only thing we do have on it. Now, since last weekend, Dan has passed. But he passed with the Lord's word on it. You make sure you have his word on it. Amen? Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your offer. Thank you for, uh, even though we think we're seeking you, thank you for seeking us. Thank you for loving us first. And Lord, thank you for your holy word that gives us something to, to trust and to lean into and to know that we have eternal life. Thank you for your holy words. Thank you for the story of Zacchaeus. May it be motivation for every one of us to check our own salvation. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to subscribe. For more information about The Crossing, visit thecrossingde.com or download the mobile app on the Apple App Store or Google Play. Music for today's podcast is from artist Sounds Like Sander, under license from soundstripe.com.